Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell, here to recap the Thunder's 122-120 loss to the San Antonio Spurs on Wednesday night at AT&T Center. Barry, I feel like it's been a while since we talked about a, a close game that went back and forth down the stretch like the final minute was just mass chaos all the way around um so i'm looking forward to this one but just to give you guys a rundown of what happened at the end of this if you weren't watching or if you were watching and uh it's just too much to to remember um so kind of the crazy sequence started so keldon johnson spurs forward who's just built like a tank he comes down he misses a dunk um the Thunder comes, Poku basically meets, meets him at the rim. Poku's not credited for the block. Thunder comes back down the other way. Shea Gilgis Alexander takes a 30-foot pull-up three early in the shot clock with 34 seconds left. The Thunder's down 119 to 118. And, Barry, we'll talk more about this shot in just a, a little bit. But it misses. Um, Spurs miss on their next possession. Poku gets a run-out layup to put the Thunder up 120-119 to with 4.8 seconds left. Um, and then Lonnie Walker, the fourth, hits the dagger for the Spurs. He hits a three with 1.8 seconds left to, to give the Spurs a 122-120 lead. Thunder didn't get a great look at the finish. Um, Lindy Waters inbounded the ball to Shea. Shea had a fadeaway from the corner that was well short. So the Thunder end up losing this game. Lonnie Walker, the hero in San Antonio tonight. It was a, it was a fun it one, It was though, Barry. fun, and I thought the same thing. Every time the Thunder plays a close game, which, you know, in the middle of the season, they played a pretty good rash of close games. A, a lot of them, but yeah. But, you, you know, if you've been around the Thunder any time at all, particularly, say, two years ago, the Chris Paul year, I mean, close games, was the, that was just on the menu every night. And you sort of forget <laughs> yeah. how fun they are. I mean, yeah. with 2.30, I looked up and said, well, this game's going to go down to the wire. We hadn't had any of this in a while. <laughs> We're going to have some strategy and some timeouts and some inbounds my, my plays. Takeaways, my takeaways weren't finished uh, early in the night. Yeah, so um, I was sort of bewildered by the finish on both teams. You know, the thunder, the Spurs aren't in full tank mode. But they certainly did some of the mysteriously goofy things the Thunder did. You know, you talked about that missed, that missed dunk by Johnson. The Spurs came up with the rebound and got it over to, uh, I think it's Lonnie Walker. And... The Thunder's down there. They got five defenders. The Spurs have four offensive players because Whizbang is laying on the uh, is laying on the ground and he launches a three. Yeah, yeah. Keldon Johnson was down for like thirty yeah. seconds, and no one on either team seemed to. They notice. didn't seem to care. It's it like it's like roller derby or something. Just get him off the floor and keep moving. So why yeah. would you? Let's see, at the time, it was a one-point lead for San Antonio with, I don't know, what would we say, 40 seconds left, probably. Yeah. You got a one-point lead, 40 seconds left, and on the shot clock is probably 10 seconds. And one of your guys is laying crumpled under the basket. You call timeout. Yeah. You don't play four on five because not just so you might be able to score, but what if you miss that shot and your guys didn't get up? Then the game's determined five on four. It was just madness. 
And then Shea with the... Which the Thunder did have five on four. That's right. They, it, it's exactly what happened. And then Shea takes a crazy, crazy bad shot on a night when he was, in every sense of the word, spectacular. Yeah. Just unbelievably spectacular. And then, you know, and then Lonnie yeah, let, Walker. Let, they, and they, then they play excellent defense, I thought, on the, on the Spurs' last possession. But Lonnie Walker hit a tough shot, and Spurs win. Yeah, Let, let's talk more about Shea's three because, you know, sure, maybe they score on that possession. It, it goes differently. The Thunder did eventually take the lead on that Poku layup. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, you can blame it all on that. But I, it was a big play because it just came from nowhere. It was It was like a desperation three early in the possession. And I asked Mark Dignalt about it. And he was like, he said Shea did not know it was a five on four. He did not know that Keldon Johnson was was still down. Keldon Johnson was on the floor for about the last six minutes of the fourth quarter. But um, he, he didn't know Keldon Johnson was still down. So he was trying to, he, he was trying to get a two for one. You know, there's about 35 seconds left. That's prime two for one opportunity. Well, it's more than that because I asked Shea about it after the game. And he was really upset with himself when he was walking off the floor. Not only did he not know it was a five on four, he thought the game was tied. So put yourselves in his shoes. If it's 119-119, I think it was 119-118 at the time. If you if you think you're playing five on five and you think the game is tied, then maybe you do go for that shot is is a is a big time shot to set up a two for one. But it certainly makes no sense when you're down by one. But I guess not knowing the score helps explain things a little bit. Well, maybe. But even if, even if all that was true, or even if, even if he thought it was true, he's wide open. They didn't have anybody guarding him anywhere close. He could have dribbled up, you know, five feet, shot a 25-footer. Yeah, with, it was almost with, a runner. Yeah, uninc- <laughs> he acted like the shot clock was about to go off. That's It was very strange. Um, there for a minute, yeah. my first impression was SGA is on the Tankathon Express. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Um, it was an exciting game, and he was so spectacular. That's one of the best quarters I've ever seen anybody play in the Thunder uniform, that third quarter. He was 9 for 9 or 10 for 10. Which nine, was, 9 of 9 with 20 points. And I don't know if he had how many assists, but he had a, big, he had a nice assist game. Um so it was it was like magical what he did in the third quarter and it was it wasn't all just at the rim either he was like a no just an assassin from the mid-range tonight no he doubt was about living it. in in no. the mid-range and getting getting the spurs off balance hitting tough fadeaways from the elbows um he was and the shots were all pure and yeah he he actually set a record no thunder player had has ever gone nine of nine um, to to start the second half. It's not really just third quarter, but just in general, nine of nine to start to start a second half. Um, it was his season high for a quarter. Um, his career high for a quarter is actually twenty one, so he finished one shy of that. Um, but yeah, like the the kind of bonehead play at the ending. It, it was loud, but it doesn't really overshadow what was a spectacular night. Like you said, 34 points, eight assists, six rebounds, three steals, only three turnovers. He plays 35 minutes and goes 14 of 22. Yeah, it's and for a good, I don't know 
how much, but at least a significant part of the game. He's guarded by DeJounte Murray, who's an outstanding defender yeah. by reputation, and I assume by legitimacy. So, Well, and Dagnall said they were playing a box and one against him. Really? Yeah. It's the darndest thing I've heard all night. Uh, <laughs> Dagnall, that's, that's two Dagnall box and ones uh, references <laughs> in, the, in, in successive games. That's an NBA record. I think that's an NBA record. Because I think, who was it? Somebody... Uh, was it uh, somebody asked him if it looked like maybe yeah, the Nick thun- Gallo Yeah, asked Nick him. Gallo asked him uh, the other night after Monday's game. Well, we playing a little even boxing one, and Dagnall wanted no part of that. He wanted. No. <laughs> he said, "I don't want to be accused of that." <laughs> no, 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 there was no. Bo- Let me clear something up. Hey, we come in here and we can sing and we can dance and we can uh, wink, wink at some of our questions and answers. But I was not playing a boxing one. <laughs> oh. Oh. I guess if you're the winningest coach in NBA history, you can uh, you're able to do that. You can I don't know. You, you, you can protect your reputation and, and still do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, it just speaks to how like unstoppable Shea was. Yeah, that was it was impressive. Um, on a night when a lot of his comrades didn't play great. Now, no. the bench was great and Baisley was solid, but Trey Mann was not very good and. Isaiah Roby was mostly ineffective, yeah, and true. Aaron Wiggins looked very uh, rusty coming back. So Look, he he looked like a guy recovering from the flu. Yeah, um, and yeah, Trey Mann has hit a bit of a rough patch. Yeah, he I has. Would, I would say to put it to put it kindly. Yeah. Um, basically, though, three straight games now with twenty five plus points. Is that so? Three straight games. Yeah. Great day. Yeah, he's he's he had, gone 29 25 25. And he's get he had four he had uh nine rebounds, four of 10 shooting from from three-point range. Um he had that big shot to to beat the buzzer at the end of the third quarter that three. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Uh he better keep that up or Olivier Sar is going to take all his playing time. Olivier Sar plays 18 minutes tonight and is plus 16 in the box score. <laughs> Mignot said he played well. I guess he did. Three of three shooting, <laughs> two of two from deep. He had six rebounds for. There's that one rebound. Just no, just one rebound. So well, he I mean, sounds he's like always, you're jumping aboard the Olivier. Yeah, he's only train. six foot eleven, so I don't know how you expect him to get too many rebounds. But um, yeah, but it was it was an interesting night down in uh, down in Alamo City, as we say. Yeah, boy, that was a so so down the stretch. Um, there there were some interesting moments. One was Poku was fouled on a three pointer by uh, Josh Richardson, and made makes all three free throws. Then he, I'm just talking about Poku how he finished down the stretch. He got a lot of credit. The Thunder calls the moment of truth plays. Basically, it's a moment of truth for Poku when he sees Keldon Johnson, who is a linebacker, like a six seven linebacker, barreling toward him and tries to dunk. Uh, Poku is not credited for a block. I don't – did you just get a closer look at it? I don't know if he actually touched it or not or just got in Johnson's way. Um, but that was a nice play, and then he gets the run out finish. So let's just talk more about Poku because he had a really good night off the bench. You know, he's starting to – he's starting to do things on a more consistent basis and look like a player. He's 5-7 of seven tonight from the field. Uh one of two from three-point range, six rebounds. He's plus eight. Yeah, so he's you know he's playing pretty good. He's playing pretty good. I, he's not, he's not Baisley in terms of emerging, 
But he's playing pretty good. And to me, I, I was looking at him tonight. The only problem I would have if I'm Mark Dagnall is if he did develop into an NBA player. And you wake up one day and the brain trust of the Thunder has a meeting and they say, well, guys, it's time to quit talking about it. This guy's an NBA player. In some ways, that brings more problems, which is what exactly do you do with him? Yeah. What is he? How, how he can clearly help you, but how can he help you? Where do you play him? Because with this kind of team, these last two seasons, you just throw him out there and whatever happens, happens, and nobody. But when you got to play a certain way, which who knows what that way will be, but when you're playing a certain way and you're playing with certain rotations, the Thunder's going to have to figure out what to do with him. When you see a Trey Mann, when you see a Baisley playing the way he is, even Aaron Wiggins, Maladone, if he turns out, you know, you know what you know what you want to do. You know what you want them to be. What you need them to be. I don't know if the Thunder knows what it, what to do with Poku. Well, I I I think that's a great point. And you know, I've said before that it's like he's either going to turn into this you know star player. He's not going to make it. Like it's I just struggle to see yeah. him as like an everyday middle ground NBA player. Middle ground but, is cloudy. You're right. Right, but like he's approaching that middle ground, so I am curious what that looks like because he's such an just an unorthodox NBA player. Like no one is is really it's hard to find a comparison for him. He's a seven footer who, you know, basically plays like a guard offensively. He he can't he sure can't defend guards defensively. Maybe he can put on some muscle and weight and be a defensive center but just the way he plays I I don't know it's like hard to sure doesn't fit like a role player prototype yeah who who does he guard who does he guard Uh, right now would you say power forwards like who yeah yeah he'll guard fours usually fours or or even some fives in some matchups well you know I see that's part of the problem is and it's not we're not saying he's bad on defense. Even last year he was sort of became bothersome to teams on defense. But I still not sure what you do. Even offensively. You know, is he just a pure perimeter player? Well, probably. He doesn't hadn't shown much acumen in terms of muscling around the basket. He sort of sort of zooms in for putbacks or or you know, long dunks off off his big stride. But that's part of Mark Dagnall's job here, I, I would say, in the next four months, five months, whenever training yeah. camp starts again. He's like again. a seven-foot wing offensive. Yeah, yeah. You're going to you're gonna have to figure out what to do with the guy. I, if he had more shot-blocking instinct, you might be able to, you know, you might be able to try to work with that. But I don't see that. He's more of a... His long arms just sort of get in the way. If, yeah. So I if don't he know. could block shots and shoot threes, he'd be Chet Holmgren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh well. If, if they draft, if they draft Chet, they're gonna have players in like Poku, Chet, and Giddy, who like there's just not a comparison for with how big they are and how they play. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, here's the deal. If they draft Holmgren and he becomes a star, and if Poku becomes a player, they probably just ought to open an academy. And uh, <laughs> they'd make more money. Here, we, we will take talented big men who weigh 111 pounds, and we will turn them into NBA players, and they would have probably lots of, lots of customers. Yeah. So who yeah. knows? They're a combined uh, 14 feet tall and about 395 pounds uh, between between those two. Um, anything, not not to not to beat up on on your neighbor, but man, that the Lindy Waters like set up three when he had all the time in the world and airballed. It was kind of a rough moment. Sunday night he goes four for nine. It was a big game. I think 16 points against the Grizzlies. Since then, I think he's 0 of 8 from deep. Is that right? I think he was 0 of 4 the other night. Um, I found it interesting that he inbounded the ball there with 1.3 seconds left. He did, yeah. I've, you know, he's the new Tabo Cephalosha, I guess. I don't, I don't. The new Josh Getty. Yeah, uh, yeah. Without Getty, you know, what do you do? You've lost your quarterback. But I found it interesting that Dagnall turned to Waters in that. But he's clearly – his shot comes and goes, it seems to me. Um, there, there for a while, when he was – even when he was missing, he was hitting the rim, you know, and getting close. He had a couple of bad misses tonight, one or two the other night, uh, Monday night. So that's got me a little concerned because, well, yes, he can do – he's shown he can do things on an NBA level – Beyond shooting, that's what's going to keep him in the league, and, yeah, yeah. and not being able to, not being able to consistently hit the three, is uh, is concerning to those of us with a vested interest in his uh, NBA career. Uh, let's see, uh, you for know for your the fellow Normanites. Yeah, you know. Let, let, let me look at this. Let, let me look at this. Uh, He's now ni- he's now nineteen to sixty five, so I think he's under thirty percent. So yeah, he's no Olivier Saar. No, heck no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he needs he needs another good stretch of of tossing it in there to uh, to rekindle the embers, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Well, that's uh. Let, let's move on to something a little outside of the game. So today, Barry, this this is a game that when you look at the when you look at Tankathon, when you look at the lottery standings, this is a game that was important for the Thunder to lose because it's a team in the Spurs that they could very well beat. Shea was listed before the game. It's questionable with right ankle soreness. Now you remember he missed the month with the right ankle sprain, so it kind of made sense before the game. Dagnalt said he's going to play, and I was I was honestly pretty stunned because I thought, okay, if they put Shea on the injury report and he's questionable, and it's against the Spurs, he's not going to play. Um, but I, I sort of asked, like, is Shea one of those guys where he's just like hard to tell to sit out? And Mark Dagnalt basically um, said yes that he's not like defiant, but he's he's going to play if he's if he's feeling good. And Shea said after the game that. If he's healthy, he wants to play as many games as he can down the stretch. I'm not saying there's something there or there's a disconnect between the organization and Shea, but I'm just I'm just saying like there was. Uh, I know you're not 
huge on Twitter, Barry, but just like Thunder fans were just in panic mode tonight. Oh my gosh, this would be detrimental. This would be a travesty if they won the game. Like, why is Shea playing? And like, I I understand, but the guys on the floor are going to play as hard as they can. Shea has been on an absolute roll since he's come back. He wants to play. He wants to cement himself as a star in this league. And it's not as easy as just like you're a fan sitting on, you know, sitting in your home and saying, why are they playing Shea? Well, if they do that and Shea's healthy, you have to have a conversation with him. And I don't think Shea really wants to sit. So, like, do you want to make your franchise player angry? Like, you don't really want to get crossways with him. I I'm just, I guess what I'm saying is it's not as simple as it sounds if you just want to sit him down. No, and here's the truth. The last game or three or four are probably the least important games the Thunder has played in terms of tanking the last two years. The Thunder is three games behind the Pacers in the win column. They're two games ahead of the Pistons and the Magic in the win column. They've never been more solidified. There's only 13 games left in the only 13 left in the uh, season. Yeah. They've never been more solidified than they are right now in a certain spot, and that spot is fourth. If they'd have won tonight, they'd be two behind or two ahead, however you want to look at it. Uh, I, the I Pacers. think people have their eyes on the two games against the Magic still yeah. to play. So here's, here's what I would say. Uh, I think you know me well enough to know not only am I not a conspiracy theorist, but I have very little patience with conspiracy theories. With that said, here's a conspiracy theory. What if this talk tonight about the sore ankle, blah, 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 blah. What if that's just laying the groundwork for Sunday night? Yeah. Go to Orlando. Got a you got a uh, a back to back Monday night Celtics are at Paycom Center. What if you just hold out Shea on Sunday night in Orlando and tell him, listen, we're not going to play you back to back. You're too valuable. It's just not going to happen. We assume you'd rather play against the Celtics. We'd we'd assume you'd rather play against you know, Tatum and, and Marcus Smart and whoever the Celtics are running out these days while they're one of the NBA's hottest teams then play, you know, in Orlando against, you know, the, the ghosts of Walt Disney. So what if that's the way it is? To me, that wouldn't be – that'd be a pretty good move. And yeah. You don't, you don't have to be – frankly, it's going to be tough to fall to Detroit and Orlando because they're not trying to win either. But – that's something you could do. The Thunder without SGA and Giddy and Dort, that's not a pretty sight. That's not a no. pretty sight. Well, and also, I, I get that they could have very well won this game. They almost did had it not been for Lonnie Walker. But Shea's played like some of the best basketball of his career. They've still been blown out So for, for most of this stretch. Um the other thing, like, I, I get what you're saying as far as laying the groundwork, but, I mean, I don't think – I would be very surprised if he played at Orlando. So we're, we're on the same page. I think he's going to sit one of those games of the back-to-back, and if he does, it makes total sense to sit the Orlando game on the front end than it does the Boston game on the back end. I'm just saying, like, they could we, – we know he's gone through uh, – an ankle injury they could just do it the day of now maybe it's 
more subtle uh, to do it now, although it's not subtle if you've caught on to it. But here's I, I'm rambling. Here's yeah, my I'm thing. Not, on not, the, I, if I figured it out, I'm uh, I'm not Inspector uh, Clouseau. So, but here here's my thing on the injury, Barry. That that game at Orlando, no one is going to be watching. If it gets any attention, it's going to be to, to because of the lottery. Like you could just list him out as rest. You don't even have to. You don't yeah, even that's have to true. put an injury. Yeah, yeah. So TNT just, is not going to file a protest. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, it's not on national TV. You could just put list him out with rest and say, you know, he's totally healthy. He'd ready. He's ready to go. He'd probably put up fifty on these guys, but we're sitting him. So um, that's my thing with the injury report. Is like I think people like you don't. You don't just have to be out with an injury. You can just be out with rest, or you don't have to. You can just be a healthy scratch. So, well, here's what's inter- here's what's interesting. Tomorrow night is the most interesting game of the season for the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's the first day of the full NCAA tournament. The NBA wisely just throws up its hands and says, "You guys can have the hardwood. We got no interest in this Thursday night." So there's only one game played. It's Detroit at Orlando. Both have 18 wins. The loser gets within one win of the Thunder now. So if it's Orlando, the Thunder could actually catch the magic on Sunday night. Yeah. So intrigue is intrigue is running deep. The uh, you know the yeah. drama is 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 rising to the horses. Yeah. What if, what if Orlando rattles off three straight? Three wins, one over the Pistons, two over the Thunder. Well, then Sam Presti will be dancing deep into the night with a party hat on. So, uh, so that's a, that's going to be an interesting week, I think. Um, tomorrow night, if you if you don't want to watch, I never can remember who's playing in the in the NCAA tournament in terms of the order of games. But if you want to skip March Madness, you want some March Madness, flip over to NBA TV. Pistons at the Magic. That is going to be crazy. It's it's going to be, a, oh boy, some of these are going to be interesting to watch. A, a lot of Olivier Saar, a lot of <laughs> Lindy Waters, Veet Kretschy. I might rest Kretschy. He's like he 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 looks like he's he he might be in the business of winning games too. So are, are they going to are they going to rest Basley? <laughs> Basley never rests, does he? He's always playing. Yeah, no, he plays. He plays. You know what? I think I'd play Baisley because he strikes me as the kind of guy. He's playing really well, but if if he thinks he's got to be the star, that could not that, that that could turn out poorly for his performance. I mean, that could be a six of nineteen night with you know one of seven from three point range night. I might I might go ahead and play yeah. Darius Baisley. I, I, I'll uh, include this in the takeaways, and you guys can find it there. I, I haven't listened back to the quotes yet, but I did ask Shay about how his ankle feels and and stuff, and he did say if he's healthy, he wants to continue playing. But then he, he did leave the door open by saying, I've got to be smart about it, we've got to manage it, all, all of this stuff. So I, I don't... I don't think there is a disconnect there. I'm I'm just saying like it's not as easy as it sounds as far as like okay Shay you're you're sitting and then he's like okay this sounds good like the guy wants to play. Basketball. Yeah, he wants and he clearly, you know the way he came out in the third quarter because he he frankly was playing pretty good. 
uh, early, and then he was he missing some shots, and he, he could have had a better first half. He was still efficient. I think he was four of nine shooting and had, you know, I forgot how many points, 11, I think, at halftime. Um, but he clearly came out sort of with a mission in that third quarter and was just phenomenal. So Yeah, he doesn't get very animated, but he was – he was feeling it there yeah, in that yeah. third quarter, no and he was fired it. up. Yeah, no doubt about it. He was fired up. That's that's pretty. That was pretty cool, really, when you get right down to it. So yeah. Well, I guess tomorrow I have to decide uh, what I want, wh- which sort of basketball I want to watch. March, March Madness, or well, here's the deal: since they moved the March, the Madden, other March Madness, w- w- since they moved the March Madness to four different channels, it makes it very difficult to keep up. But I try to. <laughs> So I flip like crazy between all four games. I'm going to have five games in my rotation tomorrow night. It's a five-rotation basketball night. Yeah. I'll be on True TV. I'll be on TNT. I'll be on TBS. I'll be on CBS. But my heart will be with NBA TV and the Orlando yeah. Magic against the Detroit Pistons. Just just real quick here with, with the tournament starting, is there one player in particular – looking toward the Thunder and, and their draft prospects, is there one guy in particular you're really excited to watch and, like, see how, okay, maybe this guy could play for the Thunder, here's how he could fit in, stuff like that? I've been down on Chet Holmgren all year because I, I, I just don't want another, you know, seven-footer who doesn't weigh 200 pounds. You know, seven-footers who weigh less than me are of not particular interest to me. I like, you know, I like guys a little bit more sturdy. But the guy is very intriguing to me. So, uh, Chet Holmgren, I am, you know, Duke, I don't like Duke. I don't like you watching Duke because every time I watch him, I'm afraid they're going to win and it's just going to sort of set me wrong. But they got two guys. You wrote about them tonight or for tomorrow's paper with A.J. Griffin and how do you say the other guy, Bucara? Or yeah, Paolo Bencaro. Bencaro. Bencaro and, and A.J. Griffin both, either one could be. You know, depending on whether the Thunder gets third or fifth or second or sixth, whatever it turns out to be. So that's – Duke would be very intriguing. And, you know, I got to see, you know, Smith from Auburn uh, earlier. Um, And I have not seen much of Ivy at Purdue at all. So um, 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 all the usual suspects, but probably Chet Holmgren because I just want to see, you know, what's there if he really is a – a sweet shooting rim protector, you know that that's that's exactly what the Thunder needs. So, yeah, he may he may be wearing Thunder blue before we know it. Yeah, the I I obviously you know want to see Chad as well. Just the kind of under the radar name out there out there is Keegan Murray from Iowa, who's really surging up draft boards now. He's another modern big man who can really shoot it. Um, led Iowa on their Big Ten tournament run, averaged 26 points a game. And um, he's a guy that, you know, if they fall to if they fall to six, if they, you know, pick at five, like he, he could be in play. And he's he was like a three-star recruit coming out of high school. He's a sophomore and just has totally blown up out of, out of nowhere. So he's a guy I'm pretty intrigued about. Yeah, and, you know, even all those guys there on the, you know, in the middle level, which you wrote about though, them too, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're picking early, they're picking middle, they're picking late. 
We don't yeah. know exactly where it's going to all fall, but that's that's what they're doing. So yeah, I, I would. So the second round matchup to watch if it happens, uh, Memphis might not get out of the first round, but really looking forward to Gonzaga versus Memphis in the second round if that happens. Oh, yeah, the big have, guy. The big guy from yeah, Memphis. That's right. You'll have Chet Holmgren going against Jalen Duran, and just totally different players. Duran's the youngest player in the draft, but he is he is just sculpted. I mean, he is just rock-hard muscle, um, more of a throwback big, um, good shot blocker. He doesn't step out and shoot at all. He's more of a rim-rolling um maybe like Clint Capella type type big man. So just a contrast of styles there. And, and to watch those two guys go against each other could be fun. Yeah. Uh, your synopsis of the Memphis guy sort of had me intrigued. So um, yeah. So that's one I'll keep an eye on too. That's one I'll keep yeah. an eye on also. I, I just think with the, the way they've drafted, one of these stretch fives might fit better but i mean i i don't know i don't know it, it's going to be an interesting question because there's definitely a hole there do they fill it with a a rim runner shot blocker or do they fill it with um kind of a souped up mike muscala guy who can step out and, and really shoot it and also play some good defense so. yeah, i sort of like that description of a ball player a souped up mike muscala because i sort of like the i like i like the uh the non-soupy uh mike the muscala non- you soup him up and <laughs> Soup me up and sign me up. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll end it there. Thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast, and we'll see you next time.